Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Welcome to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We give voice to those who challenge a prevailing sentiment in global financial markets. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Guests were not compensated for their appearance, nor do they supply payment in order to appear. Individuals on this podcast may hold positions in the securities that are discussed. Listeners are urged to educate themselves and make their own decisions. This podcast episode may have ads and the occasional announcement. To listen without ads or announcements and take advantage of a host of other benefits, consider becoming a premium subscriber. Prices start at $9 per month. Visit the website contrarian.supercast.tech. That's T-E-C-H for more information. Now, here's your host, Mr. Nathaniel E. Baker. A short clip of actionable highlights from this episode was released to premium subscribers on Monday, October 10th. So at least two days before you are getting this. And this contained the most market moving and actionable items from the podcast that you're about to hear. To become a premium subscriber, you can get this advantage and many other benefits, including the daily contrarian briefing and podcast that is released every market day morning by 7 a.m., featuring yours truly. And you can do so by signing up at the website mentioned at the top, or you can visit our Substack, contrarianpod.substack.com. Prices are exactly the same at both websites. That's contrarian.supercast.com and contrarianpod.substack.com. So check it out and join me as a premium subscriber. Now, here is this week's podcast. Fabian Wintersberger, thank you so much for joining the Contrarian Investor Podcast today, joining us from Linz, Austria. The reason you're on the podcast is because you have some contrarian views here. And the first one is that the Fed will not be successful in fighting inflation which is kind of not what people are planning on. And they talk about inflation already coming down due to higher interest rates, et cetera. But you don't think the Fed is going to be successful in this in these efforts. So tell me about that. Well, thanks for having me. Um, thanks for coming on. I think that the Fed will um, not succeed in bringing inflation back to 2%. So I think, sure. um, I think inflation will maybe get back down to 4%, 3%. But in order to doing that, then the Fed, I think, will gonna, they will break things. I think there won't be any soft landing. They will make, there will be a hard landing. And 
the problem I see is that there is a, the, the huge debt of the countries, you know, and the, debt, the, the US has so much debt. And in order to bring inflation down, you have to crush GDP. And therefore, you, you crush output. And, and that's why I think that the Fed will not succeed and that they will blink before um, the job is done. And then we will have the real next inflation wave going on. And I expect that inflation may be um, possibly above 10% in oh the coming years or so. Wow. Okay. And so you so you don't think so so you think the Fed is going to blink at some point. I'm assuming due to fallout in markets and maybe even in the economy. Yeah, exactly. Right? And I think um, maybe we will see some problems in the real economy because we, I mean, we've seen bonds selling off very sharp, but the stock market, I think it's 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 holding pretty well still now i think it, not very much has happened we're still far away from the 2020 lows and therefore i think they will keep hiking and hiking and hiking maybe they will pause somewhat next year the other thing is that the biden administration they keep spending they're spending money they're handing out checks into the economy they're giving um subsidies to this company subsidies to that company and this will lead to serious consequences down the road yeah but you still do think that the fed will get inflation down to see the cpi down to like four percent or so yeah i think so and will they then declare victory or will, will you think or will they then be like okay there's all these problems in the economy that we have to address and so um, i'm going to cut rates again yeah my hunch is that they will really hike until they break something then we have some things some sort of of an um disinflationary trend so inflation will decelerate and then something in the real economy would happen i think i think that there maybe the jobless rate will spike pretty hard and at some point the fed uh, political pressure will be so hard that the fed will have to reverse course because um the, the rate hikes currently are mainly, in my opinion, because the Biden administration is pushing them hard to fight inflation. That's the main reason I think that they're that they have become so um, aggressive in doing that. And yeah, maybe because it's Paul's second term and he wants to yeah get into the history books. That may be another factor, but. Um, I think that it's a political topic. Inflation is now political, and that's why the Fed has to do something, and that's why a lot of central banks have to do something. Right. What do you think? You mentioned employment potentially being one place where the economy breaks. What other areas do you think could could we see it? That's very hard. I think we may see some, yeah. I mean, we have not only government that we have also... Um, debt of companies and that's also pretty high and we have i think about 20 percent in the u.s are some companies and that's why i think that's the area where i think things could get messy and then you will have so much um problems in the economy that i think the fed will say okay we have broke some things, we will have to ease and the Biden administration will say, yeah, we need to spend, we need to spend, we need to um, issue bonds to spend. And that's when I think they will um, 
pressure the Fed to ease again. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Wow. So you, so you do think that the whole thing is political. I mean, ostensibly, the central bank is independent, but Powell is appointed by a president has to be approved by the Senate. But you do think that there are the, the links are, are more intertwined than maybe we believe. Maybe not exactly that, um, but I think that the Fed is always getting some pressure from politicians yeah. and from the public as well. And if things get ugly and things turn out to be not managed that well, then I think um, the Fed will listen to the politicians and to the public and they will do something about it. Interesting. But you don't think this is imminent? You think this is still out in the future a bit into 2023 at some point? 2023, 2024, it's always okay. hard to make forecasts. So, um, yeah, we don't really know. But at least that's my hunch. Sick of me yet? Become a premium subscriber and avoid all ads or interruptions. Other benefits as well. Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information. Okay, and then also another view here that you have, which is that, and this is linked to the, the, the Fed and inflation, of course, is bonds. And bond prices have taken a beating, yields getting blown out here to the highest level. The two-year, I believe, is at its highest level since the early 2000s, maybe even. And then the 10 years at its highest level in, in almost a decade, I believe, as well. And there's a lot of talk now that maybe this is going to start coming in. But you don't buy that either. You think that yields are going to continue to rise, right? Yeah, exactly. Especially at the long end. Because, um, you know, what I think, um, if you look at inflation swaps, for example, um, the market is still believing that the Fed is actually um, achieving to get inflation back to 2%. And if they will do it, then the 10 year is actually, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty well priced. But if the if inflation doesn't get back down to two um, percent, but stays at four percent, then the long end will have to readjust upwards. I think that is my opinion. Because if you don't get inflation back to two percent, or if inflation stays, maybe yeah, let's say let's assume it stays um, at around four percent for the next decade, then the three point nine percent that the U.S. ten years currently, I think. And that's too low. Then you have to go further up. Fair enough. But do, do you think that do we need inflation at 2% or can the economy kind of go at 3 or 4% without too many problems? Probably if, if wages keep, keep up with inflation rates. But the way I see it, um, you know, we had um, our debt levels are um, nearly as high or a little bit above what they've been after World War II. And what happened after World War II, governments inflated the debt away. So that's what I think could happen at some point. We have um, the government um, controlling a little bit. Um, they have their feet in the money supply. I don't know if you're, um, Russell Napier's talked a lot about it, that um, government guarantees um, help governments to issue new money into the economy because um, new money gets out of the economy via bank lending. And if, you know, the government um, guarantees to lend money to a company, then the bank will do it. And that's why I think inflation will stay high and 
maybe at some point um, we will have some sort of yield curve control, but that's so far down the road. I think I think it will, yeah, that will also take some other time. All right, um, very interesting views. Not exactly confidence building if you want to be long risk assets or bonds for that matter. But a very interesting conversation, Fabian. I, w- I want to come back in a minute and ask you some more about this. Ask you about your background. Uh, but first, let's take a short break. If you are a premium subscriber, you will not get the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. In fact, we already are. And to become a premium subscriber, visit the website contrarianpod.substack.com and sign up. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Contrarian Investor Podcast, where we give voice to those who challenge a prevailing narrative in global financial markets. Consider becoming a premium subscriber. For $9 a month or less, premium subscribers receive a number of benefits. Podcasts are posted immediately after they're recorded. Transcripts are made available within 24 hours. Premium subscribers get direct access to the host and access to private channels on our Discord server. They also get generous discounts to our virtual conferences and other services. And of course, there are no ads or interruptions. Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information. That's contrarian.supercast.tech. By the way, you don't need the .tech suffix to get to that website. .com will do the trick. And we also have a Substack that you can where you can sign up for the same prices, same benefits, same details, contrarianpod.substack.com. So if you already have a Substack account and use it or have the app and use that, that's probably the best way to go. So contrarian.supercast.com or contrarianpod.substack.com. Whole bunch of benefits including, of course, getting this episode up to a week early without ads or annoying announcements. And you also get the Daily Contrarian briefing and podcast that is released every market day morning at 7 a.m. This is a contrarian take on the events of the day ahead and what is likely to move markets, such as economic data releases, earnings, and other things. It is really good, and that is completely unbiased, of course. So check that out, contrarianpod.substack.com or contrarian.supercast.tech. Now on with the show. Okay, welcome back, everybody, here with Fabian Wintersberger from Linz, Austria. Fabian, this is the second segment of the show where we ask our guest to tell us a little more about themselves, about how they came to this station in life, how they got involved with investing or economics in your case in the first place so yeah tell us about that well i think it was when i finished my a levels in about um, 2008 i think and when the when the gfc hit the great financial crisis and there i got interested into how the economy works how things getting produced how i just wanted to understand how the world works and this way I came around um, the Austrian school and I started to, to read um, many things from von Mises and um, 
up till now I'm a big fan of von Mises because I think he understood things very accurate and I liked his approach of, of doing economic analysis. Cool. And so you, so you still are um, subscribed to the Austrian view, the supply side economics type of stuff. Yeah, kind of. I, I, I think you, you have to have supplied first and then demand because demand is always there. People sure. always demand things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now how are you spending your time now? Um, I know you have the Substack. I'll link to that. But otherwise? I started to study economics. I'm actually I'm finished with a bachelor's degree. And then I um, started to work at my current job and as a rates trader at a local Austrian bank. Oh, cool. Oh, very interesting. And, and that's where, um, yeah, where I really got into the, the rabbit hole of, of macroeconomics and financial markets and interest rates. Yeah. Very interesting. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, this could lead into the next question, which is how things are playing out there. With the ECB, obviously, um, you know, kind of try, trying to raise rates, but then also doing some other stuff. And um, then you have all the other, you know, the, the Bank of England now that is behind the eight curve with the, how are things playing out there in Europe? And, and how, how do you see that? Well, I think um, the ECB and the Bank of England, I mean, the, the Bank of England um, is a little bit further ahead of the curve. Um, as the ECB, but in fact, I think they have to raise rates because they want to keep pace with the Fed. Yeah. The Fed really sets the, the tempo and all other central banks need to follow through somewhere because um, you, you see the dollar exploding higher, the dollar gets a huge demand and I think the dollar is um, poised to go even higher and central banks um, want to yeah, catch up and maybe bring down the exchange rate a little bit by raising rates. But um, in fact, if our governments, they, they hand out money, they hand out subsidies, they're fighting inflation, we are handing out checks to the consumer. And yeah, I, I'm i not sure if the, the ECB and the Bank of England, if they can hike rates fast enough that government spending will, yeah, will stop. Mm. that's i think is a is a real problem here yeah well i guess there's two different things there's the fiscal side and the monetary side right yeah um but you don't see any any way for the you do think they have to follow the fed all the way up i mean i guess the boe was they preceded the fed i believe i can't remember they might have maybe one but they have none of these banks have any choice but they have to keep keep doing doing the rate hikes until the fed does yeah exactly um maybe um the I think it was yesterday we read that there are some rumors going out around that the all central banks together that will do something to yeah to make the dollar a little bit weaker and to prop up the other currencies. But um, yeah, I, it, to me it's just rumors. I, mm -hmm. I don't know and I can't say if that's true uh, or not. Mm -hmm. Maybe they will do that at some point. Who knows? Which would not be unprecedented. In the 80s, they did something. What was it? The Paris Accord or whatever? I forget where, what it was. But I think they did, they did something during that time. But yeah, but now how is the economic situation there in Austria? We read a lot, hear a lot about the higher energy prices, mostly as it pertains to Germany. Um, is Austria in a similar bind? 
as in a similar bar, I think we're even a little bit more dependent on Russian gas. Wow. There is um, there has always been um, very direct connections from politicians to to Russia, because um, you know, back in the Cold War, we have been some Vienna has been some kind of the central neutral zone where the Russian agents and the U.S. agents walked around and tried to gather some information. And yeah, I think Austria has some had some close ties to Russia too and all that. Um, yeah, so we are also dependent on Russian gas um, very much. And when the war started, all that stopped. And I think that we're probably... Um, will have huge problems going through the winter, not in terms of having enough gas. I think that's not the problem. The problem is the price. Mm. And I mean, there's a lot of production in Germany and in Austria too that needs gas. And, you know, if, if the price of energy is, is so high, then the price of the stuff will be high as well. And then there could be some problems because Germany and Austria um, they export a lot of goods. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there, um, does Austria have any nuclear uh, energy? No, no. Um, actually, we have, no, um, yeah. there was plans um, from yeah. um, socialist government under Bruno Kreisky. Yeah. Um, but then we had a popular vote and we voted against, and that was the birth of the, the, the Green Party, so to say. Okay. And we have in legislation that we are, I think that we are not obligated to build um, nuclear power plants. Oh, interesting. So, okay. that's, so that's a problem too. And another problem, and I think Germany has the problem as well, as well we have, um, actually we have natural gas in the ground. And I think we would be, it would last for 30 years or so, mm. but we don't want to frack. And yeah, we prefer to import um, expensive LNG from the US. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> wow. that's, that's also a problem, I think. Yeah, yeah. So the, so the things probably will not be uh, good there for a while. Where do you see that happen, that heading? All Because all these higher energy prices cutting into growth, yeah, it's really hard to say because um, as a citizen, apart from, yeah, I feel the high inflation at the grocery store or so or at the gas station, but um, regarding electricity, um, I don't feel anything. And I, I pay the rate I've paid months before. And I think that, yeah, it will probably take um, till after the winter till I get my new, my new contract. And so, yeah, the people do not really feel the the pain right now that I think we're um, maybe going through soon. Oh, is that is that because so your energy bills are they are they somehow back rate? How does that work? Is that are they? It doesn't fluctuate every month. No, it doesn't fluctuate every month. Oh. I think we they they are fixed for one year, and then you oh. you get a you get a a fixed rate. Uh, I, don't really know exactly, but you get some kind of a fixed price and then uh, a variable that I depends see. on the on the usage and how many energy sure. you use. But the price, I think, is fixed. And then after one year, you have either pay some money because you needed more energy, or you get some money back. Okay. 
Oh, that's a lot different than here. Here you just get a, it's all every month mm -hmm. based on use. Yep. That's it. Um, yeah. okay, I, think, was... I think it's um, for companies, it could be something, some sort like that partially, mm. but yeah, that it really depends on the contract you, 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 you want it. I see. I see. Interesting. Now, Austria, you mentioned the ties to Russia. And uh, I'm curious if um, the Austrian banks probably also had had a lot of business in Russia. And it, I, I I say this because I did a panel about uh, right after the outbreak of the of the war. And the guy said that the a bank in Europe could blow up over the Russian the fact that they had had Russian bonds or, or some some kind of thing in, in Russia. And he mentioned there, and there was actually a lot of speculation about it being Deutsche Bank or, or a German bank. Mm -hmm. Is is it possible that Austrian banks have 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 ties to Russia and could be on the hook there for some stuff? Um, there is one bank that is um, very um, active in Russia, which has been um, Raiffeisen International. Mm -hmm. But I think um, in the last earnings report, um, if I can remember correctly, um, their Russian business did very well. So, um, so yeah. they still do business in Russia. They don't have to get out. Yeah, they didn't get out. That I think, yeah, they decided to do that. I don't know how this will play out in the future. But, yeah, um, I think that um, that was the, the aim of, san of the sanctions in the first yeah. place, in my opinion. I think that, that the goal was that you freeze Russian effects reserves and then the ruble collapses, and then they come to the table within uh, a few weeks or one or two months, and that's not how it played out. Yeah, right, right. Oh, that's interesting. So I guess there, there. I guess as an EU company, you can still do business in Russia. My company is only um, regionally active, so we are only in Upper Austria. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, as uh, the the other the Raiffeisen Bank, the, the fact that they yeah. can do it. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know exactly um, how they're, but I think they do some business in Ukraine as well. They have a Ukraine okay. branch and a Russian branch and yeah. And they kept those open. That's wild. Okay. Yeah. So you're close to that. Do you have any thoughts on how that might play out? The Russia-Ukraine thing? Um, not really. Not really. I, I try to, yeah, I, I read uh, something about it, but I stay away from it because I'm not an expert in geopolitics and I want to leave that to the experts. And I just think about how certain things might play out um, yeah, in the economic sec. So, Fair enough. Very interesting. All right, Fabian, um, maybe in closing, can you tell our listeners how they can find out more about you? I know you're active on the Twitter, follow you there, and I'll put all this information in the show notes as well. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter um, under F underscore Wintersberger, or you can just um, subscribe to my Substack, which is fwintersberger.substack.com. Very good. Awesome. Well, with that, uh, thank you, Fabian, for coming on the podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we look forward to speaking to you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To subscribe to this podcast, simply open your favorite podcast software and search for Contrarian Investor. Follow us on social media by searching for Contrarian Investor on Twitter and Instagram. 
send us your thoughts on feedback at contrarianpod.com. We look forward to speaking to you again next time.